Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode. My name is Daniel, the psychology student. Thank you so much for joining me. Today we're going to talk about trauma, trauma and unresolved feelings and how to approach it or how to better understand trauma. The number one important thing to understand is trauma is different for different people. Meaning, I don't believe in saying, well look, uh, my girlfriend cheated on me and I bounced back after two days, so you should as well. If I can do it, that means you can too. Yeah, but that doesn't mean you will. You might bounce back after one day. You might bounce back that evening. You might bounce back after a year. Just because something worked with me doesn't mean it's going to be the exact formula for you. So a big thing that we have to wrap our minds around is trauma. And when we look at events that negatively impact us, that have a negative influence on us, these things leave scars. And there used to be an idea that says time heal all wounds. I disagree. I don't think it does. Because with that sentence, what you're saying is if you don't do anything about it, over time, it'll just eventually heal itself. I don't believe that. I believe there's something active that you need to do. You need to be an active participant in the healing process for it to actually take place. So when we look at trauma, this is what's important to understand. It may be something that specifically bothers you and wouldn't bother someone else, and that's okay. Because the moment you start getting into these things like, well, my girlfriend left me, it's been three weeks, I haven't moved on yet, but when my buddy's girlfriend left him, he moved on after two weeks, I should be moved on by now? Don't do that, folks. That's a flawed error in your thinking. There's a whole branch of mental health psychology just looking at the should mindset. These unrealistic expectations are ways of thinking. I should be stronger. I should be smarter. I should be better looking. No, you shouldn't. You are exactly the way you are because of the decisions that you made or the decisions that were made that resulted in this situation that you have in front of you. So the first thing to recognize is trauma or unresolved feelings look different for different people. And if someone says, oh, that's not a big deal, whatever it is that you went through, understand that what they mean is, oh, that wouldn't be a big deal to me. But that doesn't mean that it's not a big deal to you. So the first thing is recognizing the differences, and it's okay. And it's not about how big the event was or how bad the event was. People say, look, events are meaningless. What gives them meaning is us. If my girlfriend cheated on me, so what? Why do I go to therapy? People cheat on each other all the time. What matters is what meaning do I give to it? Do I give it the meaning of, oh my God, I was seeing red flags. Thank God she cheated so we didn't escalate. We didn't get married. We didn't have kids. Or do I give it the meaning of, oh my God, what a dirtbag. What a scumbag. I can't believe she's like this. She's a woman. That means all women are scumbags. So we attach meaning to the events. And in doing so, what happens? We invite the, those flow of feelings. Whether it's anger, resentment. Sadness, frustration, anxiety, excitement. So we understand that trauma looks different for different people. A hundred or so years ago, Dr. Sigmund Freud said, look, you can have unresolved conflicts linger in the background for not weeks, not months, but years. One of Dr. Freud's, uh, his most common clients were actually women. There were women in their 30s and women in their 40s. And a lot of them were talking about things that maybe happened at work or happened with a previous partner years ago. And back then, before the year 1920, 
this psychologist from Austria said, these things, it's been years and they haven't been dealt with. What does that tell us? It tells us that time does not heal all wounds, but it needs to be an active process. Now, this idea has been built on by many other psychologists, psychiatrists, therapists, but we understand that if we want to recover from something, we do not run away from it. We do the opposite and we run towards it. And by running towards it, we face it head on. When psychologists want to look at fear and phobia, for example, let's say you have a fear of rats. There's an extreme difference between you voluntarily facing rats versus involuntarily being confronted by rats. If me and you are out on a walk and 10, 15 rats swarm us and you have a phobia of rats, that's horrific. But if you sit down with a friend or a family member or a loved one or a counselor, whoever, and they say, okay, look, we're going to expose you to a rat. First, we're going to throw a picture up of a rat on the TV and you're just going to look at it. Just a picture. And maybe if you want, you can measure your heartbeat. And you can talk about your symptoms. How do you feel? Does your heartbeat increase? Do your palms get sweaty? Do you feel nauseous? Do you feel anxious? Does your breathing get shallow? If it's the case that you're relaxed, let's throw up a video of a mouse. Okay, now let's bring in a toy mouse. All right, next I'm going to bring a real mouse in a cage across the room and you're just going to sit there and look at it. All right, now we're going to have you be up close and you're actually going to pet. So do you see what I mean? So one of the big things in fear was exposure therapy. How does this relate to trauma? If we understand that trauma looks different to different people and the way to overcome said trauma, the way to fully heal all wounds is to face it, is to confront it. And we also understand that voluntarily confronting something is completely different than involuntarily having it sprung up on us. We see the importance of making the autonomous decision ourselves. We choose to confront it and that's huge. Look, if you're not scared of anything, I'm fearless, that doesn't make you brave. You're not a brave person. A brave person is someone who looks at something that scares him or her and confronts it willingly. That's a brave person. If you jump off a springboard and you're not afraid of heights, that's not brave. But if you're afraid to go down a slide and you go down the slide, that's a brave thing to do because you were afraid to do it. And the whole key here is voluntarily chose to do it because you understand that you can overcome the darkness, but you have to be willing. So when we look at trauma, when we look at unresolved feelings, here's a way that you figure out if, look, Daniel, do I have trauma in my life? Was this an actual traumatic event or am I blowing it out of proportion? In my opinion, the psychology student says this, if you think about something that happened, whether it be a couple of days ago, a couple of weeks ago, especially if it was a couple of months ago or years ago, and thinking about something invokes heavy emotional reaction there is something unresolved there. Now, what is heavy emotional reaction? If you feel like you're getting angry when you think about something, like, like there's certain cues that an individual gets. Maybe you start grinding your teeth. Maybe you start frowning a little. Maybe you, whatever task you're doing for two or three minutes, you just, you become absent-minded because you're, you're thinking about what happened two months ago when your boss didn't give you credit for the thing that you did, even though you stayed overtime. Like when you feel <clears throat> like 
it's starting to impact your breathing and you feel like your heart rate's increasing and you maybe even you start sweating from the anger, okay, this is an unresolved feeling. This is something that needs to be taken care of. Because if I don't take care of this, not only will it not be resolved, it has a chance of brewing and of building and of getting worse over time. So how do we resolve the trauma? How do we resolve the conflict? We face it directly. If you've listened to my past videos, which I highly recommend, How to Give Advice Part 1 and Part 2, I talked a lot about, look, the event is in the past and it happened. It's gone. A lot of times we can't confront things. What we want to confront is our emotions and our feelings about the thing. We want to confront our meanings about the thing. And in doing so, we can challenge maybe some irrational beliefs and some of our thought patterns. This is what you do. If you want to get over a, an unresolved conflict or unresolved feelings or some sort of trauma, one of the best things you could do is you reach out to a professional. Hands down, 100%. Counselor, therapist, psychologist, psychiatrist. Just look at their educational background. Look at what kind of um, clients and stuff they've dealt with. And you want to reach out to them. A lot of them do a, like a sliding scale for fee. That's the best thing you could do. Okay, the next best thing you could do if you want to do it independently is this. A lot of those people might have YouTube videos. Go check them out. If I'm a psychology student posting this stuff, there's definitely psychiatrists, psychologists, counselors, therapists out there with videos about, hey, this is how you overcome your trauma. Like, Go check them out. A hundred percent. Please do that. And then let me know what you learned and tell me. <laughs> the third thing you could do is you schedule some time for yourself. You say, okay, I'm going to schedule 10, 15 minutes. You put a timer on your phone and you're going to sit down in a quiet room, either with a piece of paper and a pen or just your thoughts. Now, it's extremely crucial. When you pick this time, do not let it be late at night. The last thing you want to do is you want to lie in bed at 10.30 p.m. You can't sleep. And then you start thinking about that stuff. It's going to be very hard to fall asleep. The ideal time would be sometime in the middle of the day, not at night, not right when you wake up, and for the love of God, not in bed. A bed should be a place of relaxation and peace. It shouldn't, you don't want to associate your brain with, oh, every time I lie on my bed, I'm going to start thinking about the things that make me uncomfortable. Trust me, that's not what you're looking for. So you sit by your desk or wherever, or maybe, maybe you don't have any space at home that you like, you go to the library, you go to a particular cafe, and you sit in a certain area. Maybe you put in your earbuds. You put on a timer and you go, for these 15 minutes, I'm going to think about the thing that makes me upset in detail. As crystal clear as possible. I'm going to think about all those feelings that are going to make me upset and I'm going to voluntarily invite all of those things. And I might get angry. I might get upset. I might get annoyed. I might get flustered. I might get embarrassed. And I welcome all of those emotions. It's like walking through, it's like crawling through glass. And if you, if we double down on what we said earlier and talking about the importance of voluntarily facing these things, what, what, what is the purpose of this? If you schedule time to voluntarily think about this now, earlier on in the day, let's say if you're at work or if you're driving somewhere and those thoughts start to creep up, if you tell yourself, I'm just not going to think about that my husband had an affair. Well, what happens? It's really hard to say, I'm not going to think about it and then just not think about it. It's extremely difficult. So instead, your brain goes, look, I will think about that. But today, 
Today at 3.45 p.m., that's what I'm going to think about it. So you schedule time. This is also really good for people who like to daydream a lot, for people who are absent-minded, and for people who are overthinkers. You schedule time to do it. So now you don't go, I'm not going to do it because your brain's going to revolt. And if you do do it, if you do think about whatever problems you have all throughout the day, folks, that's dangerous. You're driving. you got to be focused. Or maybe you're at work. You're more likely to make a mistake or to make an error if you're not 100% there. So we schedule the time to think about the thing. Now, how do we go about this? The number one first step is you identify what is it exactly? What happened? And this is going to hurt and this is going to be so hard. And you're going to be very emotional. And you're going to be extremely vulnerable. There's a reason I chose the term vulnerable and not weak. There's nothing weak about being vulnerable. I think vulnerability actually is a sign of strength. It means that you are so secure and confident in who you are, you could let your emotions out. If you were insecure and you thought that crying or getting angry or getting really emotional was a sign of weakness, then, then you would never let yourself get emotional. So don't confuse vulnerability with weakness. I think vulnerability, it actually takes courage to be vulnerable, to put yourself in a place where, where you let the emotions take over and you voluntarily face the darkness. You voluntarily open that door that you don't want to. Imagine you're walking in the dark hallway and you see there's a door in front of you, but it's been chained up. And as you approach that door, there's a note here and it's written by you a couple of years ago or months ago, or weeks ago, whenever this traumatic incident happened. And on it, you've written yourself a note like, this makes me sad, so I will not enter this door. I'm going to pretend this door doesn't exist. I'm going to walk past it. I'm going to hide my eyes. I'm going to look down whenever I pass it. But every once in a while, you see the door in the corner of your eye and you start thinking about it. What I'm asking you to do is unlock the locks that you've put on that door and voluntarily enter it. And when you're sitting there in that cafe or you're sitting at home or whatever your place of comfort is, the first thing that you identify is what is it exactly? that's behind this door. What exactly is in the darkness that hurts me so much? Is it a relationship gone wrong? Did somebody wrong me? Did I do something terribly to someone and I never had the chance to apologize and I feel guilty because of it? Is it a friend of mine who got hurt and I feel responsible for them and I didn't do anything and I'm a terrible person and that's what I've pushed down on my subconscious? Is it the severe bullying that I endured at a young age and haven't fully recovered from? What is that thing? So the number one thing you do is you identify it. Because if you're going to confront something, you need to have an aim. If there is no aim, if it's just, well, uh, I feel really sad because my relationships weren't the greatest when I was younger. What does that mean? Romantic relationships? Parental relationships? When you say they weren't that great, was it from your end? Was it from their end? So you get really, really specific. I didn't have the relationship I wish I wanted with my father. It was not what I, what I had hoped it was. It wasn't what my uh, friends had with their parents. And I resent him for that because I feel like I was robbed. I felt like I deserved better and I lost it and I'll never get that back. And I feel resentment and anger, blah, blah. So you get really, really, really specific. And what's going to happen is you're going to get emotional, which is normal. 
And then you ask the golden question that I brought up in the last two videos of part one and part two. What does not having a close relationship with your father mean to you? You know, and then whatever, let yourself think. And for the love of God, in the words of uh, Dr. Sigmund Freud, use the free association technique. YouTube it if you've never heard of this. Do not filter yourself. Do not say something because you get defensive. Whatever comes to mind, acknowledge it immediately. Sometimes we are so tricky, we are so clever that we feel a certain way. But then we say something else because we don't actually, it is buried so deep down that we don't want to say the thing that we're thinking. That we not only do we lie to others, we actually lie to ourselves. No, it didn't hurt me. People who are wronged and who are manipulated or abused by others, one common trait is independence. I don't need anyone. I'm super independent. I don't need anyone. Where maybe what they're saying is, I'm really afraid to get hurt again. And I don't know if I can recover. So I'd rather live a life where I don't have to depend on people. So I don't have to ever be vulnerable around them. Now we're talking, ladies and gentlemen. So you sit down, you identify what it is. This is the, the problem. This is where the unresolved feelings stem from. Okay, we've identified it. Why? Why is this such a big deal? What does this blank mean to you? And what this will allow to do is it, it makes whatever event that happened in the past subjective. And it brings your feelings into it. And you completely accept, look, this is a wound that I have that needs to be dealt with. And then from there on, you begin to look forward and you go, look, I don't want to feel this way anymore. I want to overcome this feeling. Is it possible to fully recover and never feel sad about this again? Folks, the answer might not be yes. The answer might not be yes. But the importance is that you ask yourself that question and don't assume don't assume it's no or don't assume it's yes, but ask yourself the question. Give yourself time to think. Really what it comes down to is changing the meaning that you give an event. And if you could change a thought from, look, uh, my dad was never in my life. We had big arguments. And then when I went to reach out to him, I found out he had passed away three months earlier. And I'm angry and I'm regretful and this and that. And maybe the meaning of like regret and anger and disappointment, if you can sit with those feelings and change your thinking pattern and go, you know what? My dad did certain things that a regular child didn't deserve. I felt the way I felt because of his prior actions. I'm not happy that I walked away on my dad. I'm not happy that we didn't talk for three years, but it happened. And there's nothing I could do about it to go back. And there were mistakes made on both ends. But I forgive my father for what he did or what he didn't do. And I forgive myself for the mistakes that I've made. Now, I'm really oversimplifying things. Again, each case is different. And for this video, I want to leave you there. Because really, that's the big idea. It's changing the meaning that we attach to those things in the past. Because once we change those meanings, it'll elicit different thoughts and different feelings. Because if your thoughts of 
like resentment and anger turn to forgiveness and compassion, it'll take a huge weight off your shoulders. Now, for people listening to this, I feel like a lot of this video was a lot of setup. And now where you're expecting like the medicine, the like, this is the answer. Maybe it wasn't what you were expecting. And the reason for that is folks, I'm just a student. If I was a counselor or psychologist, absolutely. I'll charge you $250 an hour. Hopefully your insurance can pay at least 50%. Um, and then I'll be happy to give you uh, greater advice. But right now, to the best of my knowledge, that is one way to approach it. And if you remember my first few answers, well, I would highly, highly recommend. If you are dealing with trauma, if you're dealing with those uh, repressed feelings, it is extremely hard to deal with it on your own. I would highly encourage you to reach out to a counselor, a psychologist, a therapist, a psychiatrist. Talk to them. The next best thing you could do is find counselors on the internet who are making free YouTube videos that you don't have to pay for. Literally YouTube, like psychologist talks about trauma. A counselor talks about forgiveness or heartbreak. I promise you they'll come up. And then the third best thing, once you've looked at those two things, is this is just something you can do independently right now, today, schedule 10 to 15 minutes, and don't overdo it. Don't go, I'm going to sit there for three hours and figure this thing out. In my recommendation, go little by little. Now figure out what time works for you. Maybe you want to go five minutes a day. Maybe you want to go 20 minutes a day for three days, three days a week. Maybe you want to go one hour once a week, every Sunday at 1 p.m. You got to figure that out for yourself. All right. This is just a tidbit just to get you thinking in that context. Folks, thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it. Please stay safe and take care of yourselves, everybody. Bye-bye.